0: The beginning, last week, was the, quote, beginning of the season of Advent. But Mark's Gospel, and this is the second cycle, the B cycle of all of our readings, and they began last week with the first Sunday of Advent. Mark is proclaiming the beginning of the good news, the Evangelium. The concept of good news is just that. I'm going to tell you about some really good news. People who heard this, now don't forget, this was written by Mark. Mark was probably a follower of Peter and a good friend of Peter's. A lot of the references in Mark's gospel bring in Peter for the stories. So you could tell there was a connection there. So today, he says, I have good news for everybody. Now he's writing this out. He's not Twittering. He's not emailing. Writing it, and that's going to be passed on. That you and I got this gospel by it being passed on through the centuries, written, rewritten, 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 until eventually, through the presses, it became multiply available, and now you can get it anywhere. You can turn your your feeds on on any of your uh, social media, and you can look for Mark One, and this is what you'd hear: the beginning. That's really important the beginning of the good news. Now, he's writing for people who want to know more about the Evangelium, the good news of Jesus Christ. But he's writing in in a, a situation of terror. Peter was probably already killed when Mark wrote this. So he accumulated information from Peter and the other apostles. And then he starts writing this. So, Killed why? Because of terrorism, because of the the Roman occupation, and even as we hear this gospel today, literally today, two thousand and twenty-three, the same land that he was writing in is under terrorist activity. Not going political. Either side, but just to know that God's holy land, the land to which he sent his son, is under fire again. And I wonder if it's ever been quiet. I I wonder if the Holy Land has ever been at peace, really at peace. When Jesus was born, and you'll hear this on Christmas Eve and Christmas morning, when you read the, the, the Gospel of Luke about the Great Census and during the time of Augustus, the whole world was at peace. From Luke's perspective at that point. Why? Because Jesus had not come yet. Jesus had not come to try to uproot, as they thought he was doing, the Roman system. Jesus didn't come to to destroy. He hadn't been born yet, but when he's born, things change. This This period of peace changes, politically and religiously. And doesn't that reflect the Middle East today? Politics And religion, not giving solace and comfort to people, but stirring them up regrettably to hate and fight and cause destruction. 20 centuries later, you would think that we would have gotten the point by now. And as I say, we, you're probably not Palestinians, you're probably not Israelis. But there are sisters and brothers, geographically from a different part of the world, but there are sisters and brothers. And somehow, the roots of Christianity, and we were there a few years ago, visiting, probably not going to be able to go back to the Holy Land for a while, people did get along somewhat, but there was an underlying tension between the Palestinians and the Israelis. And through the centuries, you think there would be some sort of reconciliation. The church is there, too. All the major Christian shrines are under the auspices of the Franciscans. One of the popes, somewhere along the line, challenged the Franciscans to be the the moderators of the holy sites. After Francis, St. Francis, went to the Sultan to try to make peace during the Crusades, it didn't work but they liked Francis and they accommodated him and then he comes back home not having achieved his goal so you would think we would think that the peace that he attempted to bring reflecting Christ centuries before him would have at least started to take hold well they took hold somewhat with various negotiations between the Arab world and the Western world, and various shrines were built over the sites of Jesus, Bethlehem, the Church of the Nativity, the Church of the Resurrection, and all the sites are there. And through the years, there has been a antagonistic peace in that part of the world. The part of the world that the, Jesus Christ came to, The body and blood of Jesus Christ, the human being, was born in that part of the world. And we would think, peace. Not happening. Hasn't happened. But we can't blame the residents, the Palestinians or the Israelis with this. Lack of peace. We have to take part of it. Our job as Westerners, away from that geographic area, is to work and pray for peace, starting in our homes, starting in our own country, our own town. And if we haven't achieved peace, how can we expect people on the other side of the world to achieve peace? Our prayer is so important. To pray for one another. But as we're praying, we have to be activists any way we can to teach Christian values to people who support the Palestinians, people who support the Israelis. In that case, we have to pray for them because they are our brothers and sisters. I don't care politically what side you, 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 you support. They are our brothers and sisters. And God the Father decides to send his only son to that area of the world. You want to say, what a mistake he made. But he knew what he was doing. And someday we'll understand the full message. And the message Mark tries to capture today by saying, I have good news. And he precedes the birth of Jesus by introducing us to a wild man. I mean, sometimes, sometimes the movies cat- capture it John the Baptist. But if you read the scriptures clearly, he was a desert man. He wore, it sounds like, you know, he wore a nice fur coat. He wore camel skins. Probably weren't washed. Maybe dried. He probably stunk like the camel skins. And think of the irony of it. How God, the creator, is sending a messenger to announce the birth of his son and the ministry of Jesus by a man who's on the outskirts of society the margins of society crazy john and we don't know historically if john and jesus really knew each other they were they were cousins just background John is the baby who leapt in the womb of his mother Elizabeth when Mary went to visit Elizabeth after she had been told that she's going to be carrying the son of God. So Mary goes to the hill country, visits uh, I uh, Karim, visits Elizabeth, and when her voice is heard by the baby he jumps in his mother's womb. That's the beginning God's intervention. So today we hear when he grows up what he does, John, the Baptist. He's in the desert. He's preaching. And then he brings people to the Jordan. And I don't know how clean the Jordan was then. It's a river. Um, but right now it's on the borderline of murky. And we went into the Jordan when we were in the Holy Land. The people who were with us, was the Catholic tour they weren't baptized they were sprinkled with the water, and they renewed their baptismal promises at the same time, and maybe ask repentance of their sins, because that's John's whole motif. You come here, ask the Lord to forgive your sins, and then be renewed. Now, at that point, John didn't really know what he was doing, and the, and the doors that he was opening up. He didn't really know that he was introducing these people from the Jordan River to Jesus, his cousin and son of God. Eventually, he learns who the Messiah is. He was commissioned. Don't put aside your internal intuitions of doing right and your conscience of knowing right and wrong. That's what John followed. God spoke to him. I don't know how. It wasn't a Twitter. It wasn't an email. But God spoke to him, and I think we can interpret it as John knowing the intuition that God is speaking to him, and he pronounces it. And he gives his life for this, so it's not just like a one-shot deal. He gives his life to pronounce the coming of the Messiah. And in in pronouncing that, he's quoting the ancient philosophers and theologians and the prophet Isaiah. That's why the gospel begins with, it is written in the book of Isaiah, Behold, I am sending my messenger. Context. When Isaiah wrote that, the people had been displaced. They were immigrants. They were gone. They were In another land. And it's funny, political intrigue has always been common with people, with people of politics. And the people of Israel, their country was destroyed. They were displaced to Babylon, way up north. And they had no hope. Everything is gone. But God has the ultimate say. That's why trust in God. When we pray, trust that God will hear our prayers and answer them according to his will. Because you don't know, I don't know, none of us know what will happen, but God does. That's why it's always great to be in, in connection with God, doing what's right, doing what's just, doing what's Christian, because he will fulfill it. So Isaiah is telling these displaced people, hang on, hang on, we're all getting home. We're all going home. Now, we're prisoners. We're in Babylon. If we had a a spreadsheet or a great newspaper or a map, we would have seen, and I don't know how he knew this, that another fierce general was going to occupy Babylon. That fierce general is Cyrus, the Persian. And Cyrus was a terror. There are stelae, which are sculptured images of Cyrus in many of the museums as well as in, in the Holy Land, with his weapons standing on top of bodies, layers and layers of bodies, symbolically trying to capture sure what a victorious leader he was, But a vicious leader. You didn't mess with Cyrus. You got in his way, you were dead. Cyrus wants Babylon. And what happens? He attacks Babylon. But in the process of attacking Babylon, he says, "All all these Jews are here. And he says, go home. Go home. I mean, think of the immigrant Finally, a lot being allowed to go home, hopefully to reestablish their, their country. And Cyrus sends all the Jews home. But they know, just they went in waves, they know Jerusalem's a mess. It's, it's down. The quote is, not one stone stood upon another. So I, here we have In between all that chaos, Isaiah comes on the scene, inspired by God. Again, don't deny, don't discount God speaking to you. In your conscience, in your prayer life, in your soul, we have to be open to God to do his will. And we'll do his will if we're conscious of his role in our lives. And we trust him. So Isaiah is saying, Okay, God said, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you to prepare a way for you and to prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight his path. We heard that. The great handle Messiah repeats that, reiterates that. It sounds okay, but it's so practical. Because he didn't have roads. There was no highways. There were no turnpikes, parkways, any of those things. My reference were all Jersey references, but whatever New York highways are called, there were none of those there. Potholes weren't potholes. they were craters. So when a king would visit a city, people would all get out, go fix the roads, patch them up, because the king is coming. And you'll hear that through this Advent season. Isaiah says, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight his paths. No crooked roads, no mountains, no hills. Let's make, the, let's. It's us. It's, it's you and me in the 21st century doing this. On a practical level, we're not asked to go dig ditches or patch our bumpy roads. But we are still being asked to prepare the way of the Lord in our own lives, because we who are Christians have the insight as who the Lord is, Jesus Christ. So with that insight, we still go back to our ancestors and we say, he was being told to prepare. He was telling the people to prepare. How do I prepare? Big question. And on a superficial level, Christmas gifts have already been purchased. People are making donations to various charities. That's preparation. Doing concrete stuff to, to, to welcome the outsider. If the person is an outsider because of poverty, politics, or some other pain. So the, the beginning of the gospel, according to Mark, is for you and for me. So we, we perk up and we hear... That our job is to make the Lord's way straight. Let's be clear. In 2023, our job is to make the path to Christmas, December 24th, an arbitrary date in history. We'll talk about that another time. Prepared and straight. So when December 24th or 5th comes, things are set. And John is a mark, they're not talking about set by go put your christmas decorations up light the tree although after mass today i invite you to stay as we put up the first stage of our decoration we put up the tree and then next week we're going to put up the the, the, the manger outside of with, with yours but that's not what he's saying it's up to us to prepare the way through love and through charity uh, it's, it's, and, and you want to say love oh my god another thing on love y- yes because Jesus, that little crucifix above the tabernacle, is the symbol of love. God loving you and me with his whole life. So yes, it is our time to prepare. For December 25th? Yes. But for the return of Christ in glory at the end of time and bringing Christ into our families and hearts now. Now, today. Today. Whether you put an Advent wreath or candle or bell, doesn't matter. They're symbols of what we should really be doing, preparing the way of the Lord. And when you hear about John, I, 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 I don't know if I should be embarrassed or not saying this. He was dressed like a homeless person. And we've all seen homeless person, people in our area. He was clothed in camel's hair, a leather belt around his waist. Sounds nice, but it's raw leather. And his sandals are nothing. And he's eating bugs. He's eating locusts. He's nourished on honey from, from the, the hives. We're not talking he arrived in a, in a Porsche. He arrived on foot and his word got out to the community. And they all went to where he was. And then when they arrived, he said, prepare the way of the Lord. I'll baptize you in water to get rid of your sins. But the one we're preparing for, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, you and I have that Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that John predicted, you and I were baptized into that Holy Spirit. So we go into our conscience, into our minds, into our prayer lives, we're connecting with the Holy Spirit. So it's not just a a wish. It's not just a supernatural blah, blah, blah. This is God's Spirit coming to every one of us at our baptisms, renewed at our confirmations, so that we can carry on the mission of the Lord. Yeah, John came to prepare. And that was the beginning that was the beginning. That's why Advent is such a, a season of waiting. Because we're remembering the original waiting period. We're here today to get one step further along the way of the Lord. Let's think about it in our own lives and our own families how am I going to make this Advent a little more In line with the message of the gospel, the good news. How am I going to prepare my home, my table, my family along the lines of Jesus? How am I going to make this advent more special than any advent I've ever experienced? That's our own decision. That's our own choices. We are in the beginning. Rest is up to you.